0: The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner,
1: staff, or management of this radio station.
3: Hey,
4: Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And, Robin, we got barn burners all over up here in Southern California. We've got such incredible wildfires right now. It's crazy.
0: It's scary, isn't it?
4: that's a little scary
0: (laughs) yeah you have had i remember uh all the pictures that you sent me of the station fire that was right in your backyard not too long ago i think that must be uh, short of the the tornadoes coming that really has got to be one of the scariest thing for a family is to see these fires just encroaching on your property
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about, you know, when you have to evacuate your home, you know, what do you take? And I have a fire evacuation bag because I have kids and I, you know, have my checklist and everything to put in there. But, you know, it's like loading the dogs and putting my hard drives in, grabbing my photo albums. But I will tell you that I scanned all my photos and uploaded them to Dropbox uh, so that if, anything happens, you know, I'm not losing my precious photographs. And, you know, that's true for anybody who's in a family fire, you know, just Mm -hmm. a house fire. It doesn't have to be a big brush fire in California wiping out a community for you to back this stuff up online. And, you know, I was thinking for the military family, the great thing about Dropbox, and we're not paid to promote Dropbox. We don't get anything by by promoting them today. We just think it's a good service. Um, But you can access it anywhere in the world, and that's really great.
0: And I think that that's so handy. Also, even these thumb drives that are getting so large now, um, and we had a guest not long ago, or we've had her on a couple of times, the uh, travel sticks lady. I mean, that's just such a smart idea to have all of your medical information on a little jump drive, whether you use a uh, something that's branded specifically for um, medical records and traveling, or if you're just throwing things onto a thumb drive drive a jump drive uh, that that's going to have the medical records the doctors phone numbers and uh, any um, health restrictions the list of your medications all of those kinds of things the vet the doctor the last the things that your last vet Uh, report had on it all of those things because if they get damaged whether it's a flood whether it's a fire or tornado or whatever um, having those virtually or digitally is so important
4: it is. It is. And it's funny because I've become such a Dropbox addict because at first I was like, oh, you know, I'll just put the kid's birth certificates. I'll put my records, you know, because it's secure up there. Then I'm like, oh, you know what? It'd be nice to have this stuff and I don't have to back it up. And then I'm like, oh, let's put the photos up here. Then I don't have yeah. to worry. It, you know, and it's kind of grown on me because you, t- you will tell everybody I run a technology company and I was stumped by Dropbox when I first used it. <laughs> I had the heart time because it's so user friendly. I didn't get it.
0: <laughs> and I I love the fact that uh, you can decide where to share it. So if you want to share those family photos, you can you push them over to somebody else or or look at how much you and I use Dropbox, uh, just sharing files for here and for um, for all of the things that we do with motherhood. I think it's wonderful.
3: It is. It is,
4: you know, and I, I wouldn't have thought about all these personal practical applications and, like, my, in my, you know, technology, you know, desire to put my entire life online. I just started <laughs> uploading all my music files because I was like, crap, you know, if this hard drive goes down, it's going to take me forever to recover all this stuff. So I'm like, there we go, you know, up on Dropbox again. If People are like, hi, what's your name? Dropbox, what's yours? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, they really are handy. I, I, I'm I'm so glad that there are so many options that we have. Eh, this this digital world. I got to tell you, you know, my husband will never let me live it down because when, oh my gosh, it was probably the early '90s. He said, "Let's get a computer," and I said, "Oh no, we had our own business. I did all of my spreadsheets on on ledgers, and I was not about to start working on this little tiny box where the screen was so tiny. And we had a, our first computer was a little Mac plus and uh, now look at me I <laughs> I can't even go to my daughter's without dragging two laptops with me
4: <laughs> well and wait till you get your iPhone because like I' I'm, I'm
2: yeah I haven't so gone there yet that.
4: You know, because I have these two iPhones, and people are like, why do you need two iPhones? And it's like, well, like, I can broadcast my show on one iPhone, and I can watch the station cues on another iPhone. That's why. You know, so um, it's very funny because, you know, we get attached to this technology, and then we get stuck, and I can't live without it.
0: Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, And it is a convenience. I mean,
4: did your schools out
0: your way have bring-your-own-device options for the schools?
4: Um, Some of them do, you know. um, Mm -hmm. I don't really know what they do at the high school level.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. This is our junior high out here. It has been one of, it was a little controversial the first year because uh, they were allowing kids, if you're in a study and you want to hop onto Google to get some work done, they did not uh, deny you the ability to bring your um, your smartphone or your, your own device in. Ta- a lot of kids have their little tablets and whatnot. But, um, you know, there are some controversies. What about the kids who don't have them? Is this just going to be... Uh, more of a barrier segregating the kids who do and the kids who don't and um, there there was a lot of going back and forth but I got to tell you it makes sense to me for schools especially in high schools to just have devices load all the current editions of your textbooks onto the devices and have these kids carrying around instead of we used to call them freshman bags the kids that have to drag 40 pounds of books around with them just because they're lockers in one building and they their, the rest of their classes are across the quad or whatever. Um, or they so,
4: don't Like some of the yeah. places here in California, they yeah. have to lug it from place to place. And even my, i got to tell you, my fourth grader's backpack, the time he puts his science book, his math book, and his history book in there, it's yeah. really heavy. And we're in Southern California, so he has to carry a couple bottles of water with him for the sure. day. And it's insane! It's insane how heavy that backpack is.
0: And so here we have pediatricians saying that your children should not be doing this, and yet the schools are requiring it of them. So talk about a controversy or a contradiction! I mean, it's um, yeah, that's that's something that we'll we'll have to get into a big debate about that another day. I think
4: we do, we do. Well, it's, they remind me of the mountain firemen or the guys getting on the plane going to deployment. Um, you know, they've got everything they need in this backpack that they carried mm-hmm. around.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Stephen even recalls that here he was 120-some-odd pounds when he was in the service and dr- uh, dragging through the jungle. Here he had his 80- uh, or 90-pound pack because you carried everything in with you. So, uh, yeah, it's we we might fuss about having to carry a, a few little things around here, but we've got to remember what the guys in the jungles are carrying.
4: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've got such a great show today, and Gina, uh, who was a, rec- a guest on our show a while back, emailed us something to read on the air today. Do you happen to have that handy?
0: I have it in front of me. Yes, uh, Gina Sclafani uh, writes a, a blog called "Gina Left the Mall," and you'll have to look her up on our on our uh, show page because we did have a wonderful chat with her. She got a message from an Air Force wife named Jen who wrote to her um, saying that Jen had some Air Force friends who were in the midst of the Moore, Oklahoma tornado. They lost everything. And one of the things that they lost, one of the treasured pieces that they lost uh, was an autographed picture of Peyton Manning. And it was a poster and they did recover it, but it was very damaged. They were able to kind of look at it. And of course, Jen, not being right in the area wasn't there to help her dear friends with um, the cooking or the helping with the rubble and whatnot. so what she did was she got a hold of Gina and said this is the situation does anybody know Peyton Manning well Gina put it on her blog and lo and behold a, a t- couple of tweets went out, a couple of exchanges went out, well sure enough if the uh, news station, a multimedia journalist picked it up knew somebody who was the sportscaster at ABC News in Denver who happened to be scheduled to be at the the team's uh, uh, practice the next day. He saw Peyton Manning, and wouldn't you know that they made the arrangements and a brand-new picture with a signature is getting right out to this family. So they don't have a wall to put it on yet. <laughs> But talk about um, just the, the power of networking and the power of military families to do something special for one another. It's it's remarkable. And we just, we're just we so grateful, for Gina, for sharing that with us because it's just one more testament of, of how powerful our mi- military networks are.
4: It is. Well, it's a powerful testament to our military networks, but also to the power of the Internet. You know, and I yeah. really can't tell people enough just. You know, if you have something to say, if you want something, put it up on a blog, put it up on a post somewhere. It's amazing what comes back to you when you just open your voice, you say something. It's amazing to me that that we can do these things. I mean, Rob, we went well over 50,000 downloads again last month. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to thank everybody for putting out so much support for our radio show and affirming to us that we're giving good value to our military families.
0: Absolutely. Sam, we're coming up to a commercial break, and we're going to learn more about the power of the Internet with our uh, one of our guests, Jerry Clark. He's from Avacus Technologies. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the power of social media. We've also got an author, Paul Kendall, who wrote a book called Walking the Tiger's Path. It was a spiritual soldier's, uh, a soldier's spiritual journey in Iraq. A very fascinating book. And next after the break, we're going to first welcome Julie Schrock. She wrote a book called missing max finding hope after my marine son's death talk about an emotional segment i want everybody to really tune in and listen hard because as much as none of us want to hear this ever happening to us if we are ever faced with this the uh inspiration that this woman has given so many people will will certainly touch your heart be back in a moment with sandra Beck and robin boyd on military mom talk radio
5: Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out AlexLaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, here on The Rock Star Radio Network. We'll
6: put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Hey Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his
2: list, and a statue of liberty is shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com
4: Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And, Robin, we've got a very, very wonderful and emotional segment coming up. We're welcoming Julie Schrock. She's the author of Missing Maps. And uh, her experience finding hope after her Marine son's death and her experiences as a mother of a Marine uh, son who was deployed and killed in Afghanistan was an amazing, amazing, beautiful, painful, painful book to read. I think it's going to help a lot of our military families who are coping with loss.
0: Absolutely, it's it was an emotional book, but I felt very empowered afterwards. So I'm I'm uh, hoping that everyone else will as well. Well, thank
4: you. you. Julie, (laughs) you wrote a wonderful book. I got to tell you, I felt your emotions just along with you as I read this book. Your fears, your your just everything. It was really, really an amazing, amazing
3: work. Well, thanks. I appreciate that very much. Are you there? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. No, I appreciate you saying that, especially you know, just on the heels of Memorial Day.
0: This must have been very difficult for you. Um, although, are you finding that network still strong of, of people in the military community who are still around you?
3: Um, it's it's siphoned down a little bit, but only I think what the result is the people who were closest to Max. Yeah, are are definitely still in, in communication with us, and that means a lot. I just oh got a, a video from a guy that was serving with him in Iraq, and it was during a sandstorm, and he just said he just wanted to share, you know, um, just a goofy little thing that, that Max was doing, and it was sweet to see. Oh,
0: <laughs> And I'm sure things like that will trickle in. Um, right. It's it sometimes maybe six months or a year later and somebody will be moving or somebody will be back from deployment and say, gee, I, I'd love to uh, look up this person and um, and they may just be in touch with you. Tell
3: us a little bit about Max. Did he always want to be a Marine? The first time I heard about it was on uh, 9-11 and he was in the 8th grade. And he said, "Mom, if I was old enough, I'd sign up." And I can remember saying, "Well, honey, as an American woman, that makes me very proud. But if, it, as your mother, it scares me to death." <laughs> you know. But he um and didn't talk about it much after that. But then next thing I knew, he's uh he's talking about signing up, and I tried to, I tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, at one point, we were at dinner, and I'm like, why are you doing this? And he said, well, you know they pay for college. And I said, well, hon, I'll write the check. That's not why you join the Marines. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is difficult, I think, as a mother. And I think both Sandra and I have talked about this. We both have sons. Uh, mine is an adult son. She still has younger boys. And, Sand, don't you agree this is, this is what's... Um, Difficult, I think, for any mother, whether it's you have a girl or a boy, if they decide to enlist,
3: that's scary. It's scary, but I think one thing that I've experienced is um, I've met families who have lost a child not due to military, whether that be an accident or health reasons. And I kind of sit back and think, you know, Max signed up for this. We kind of had a clue and some little bit of a say that, you know he was putting himself in danger and knew it there's there's young people getting into a car and just never making it home and that's you know at all the result is sad no matter what but i think of that and think oh you know there was no way that you could that those parents or people could have ever expected that
0: yeah yeah
3: now,
4: uh, Julie, did you ever think you would be writing a book, much less writing a book on this no.
3: topic? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and, and I do give presentations, and there was one time I was in front of a group of people who were aspiring writers, and I was just like, this is almost insulting for me to be addressing these people because I have, I'm a person who wrote a book. I'm certainly not anybody I would consider to be an author, you know, <laughs> I think,
4: you know, your book is going to help an awful lot of people. I think because you encourage everybody to live your life, that's Focusing on making that person proud, like in this case, Max has just got to be bust in the gut, you know, (laughs) in heaven, just so proud of his mama to take this information and put it out there for everybody to learn from and grow from. You know, I just I just think that's amazing. What do you think Max would be saying about you right now if he heard you on the radio or was reading your your book? book? I mean, what would he think?
3: I don't get that question very much, but I remember the first time I got it, because in the book I write about how if, if Max had two minutes and could come back and talk to me and I wasn't allowed to say anything, what would I want to hear him say? And somebody posed the question to me, what if that was reversed? and And you were the one talking and he couldn't say anything. And I can remember thinking, it kind of took me back, and I'm thinking, I I would want him to know that I get it now. I didn't initially, because I'm like, we were, I was a single mom for many years, and Max and his brother Ryan and I were real tight units. So I always wondered, at what point did the Marines supersede Ryan and I, you know? Mm -hmm. But I've met so many, you know, young Marines and friends of his that I would want him to know that he was always so protective growing up, and that protective nature just as he got out in the world overflowed to other people. He was doing what he always did, but the circle was smaller. So I would just wanted to know, you know, not to worry about me and that That I understand what, why he did it. Mm. Tell us what his duty was. He was a um, working dog handler. So when he was in Iraq... His dog would sniff out the bombs and the bad guys, and in Afghanistan, his dog was trained to sniff out improvised explosive devices, IEDs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Fenji, his dog, actually did. Um, she had sniffed out four that morning, but it's like Max always said, as soon as you know, the bad guys figure out that the Marines have the components of the bombs they're currently making, they switch them out. And plus, mm-hmm. he was on top of an IED that was remotely controlled, and oh. those are different devices. So, uh, but that's what that's what he was over there to do. Mm. And yeah, go ahead. And how much how much
0: of his um, accident did you want to know, and how much did you not want to know? I I can only imagine that that would have been as much as you wanted to know. Everything right immediately and be with him. There must have been something like, "Oh, please, I just, I just want to know that he didn't suffer."
3: Oh my goodness! Um, it trickled in at the beginning, and um, I, I, when I speak, I say, "You know, I'd been told you're not going to find out any of this in a military report." And Max lost both of his legs and his right arm immediately, so we knew he was a triple amputee. But we had two days of thinking that he was alive, and they were, you know, doing everything they could to get him back to the states. Mm-hmm. Um. But then you, the most amazing, many, many amazing things have happened. But mm-hmm. one thing that is the one of the most most is just through sheer coincidence, or in my in my mind, absolute faith. The combat field surgeon came across my path and came over to the house and and talked to us. And one thing he made very clear was that Max's mind was gone immediately. That was a huge piece for me, that he really never knew what hit him. But that's such an unusual meeting because combat field surgeons do not want to meet the families of soldiers they work on, and they definitely don't want to meet families of uh, soldiers who have died.
4: Wow. Julie, having gone through this experience with Max, For other parents that are listening today who are going through the same experience uh, as you did with your son, what kind of advice do you have to give them uh, as you go on your journey
3: and you've walked the path before them? You know, the word advice kind of scares me because I would hate to put myself into this position where, yeah, listen to me because I know. But what I would say in terms of what works for me is, uh, you know, I have a very strong faith. But also we talked about things, you know, but when, before Max left for Iraq. You know, we talked about what do you think happens when you die? And it wasn't just like, you know, even if you don't share my faith, if I would be telling people have these conversations just to find out so you have, you know, some, something to grasp onto after they've left, even in terms of do you want to be cremated or buried? I'm so glad I'm not sitting there at this highly emotional time of life thinking, well, gee, do I bury him or do I burn them? Yeah, we talked. Now, granted, we had Iraq and Afghanistan hanging over our heads, so it's not the typical dinner talk, but I would, just, I would just, you know, suggest to people to consider asking these questions. It's not fun to talk about, but it's a lot less fun to have to live through when, when you haven't had these conversations.
0: One of the things that I love about your book, Julie, is your section in the back uh, for inspiration. And I think this is a wonderful element to your book uh, that sort of gives somebody hope. And we've only got about three minutes uh, before the end of the show. So I just wanted to ask you if this was uh, something that you thought you needed to share, or was it something that someone gave you and, and therefore it was a part of your writing process?
3: I, I just felt led to do it, is, is what um, I can say, and and it was it was a very private leading, but um, again, nothing I ever wanted to do, um, but my deal was kind of like, <laughs> I'll write it and and put it out there, and you do with it whatever you want to do, right. and my goodness, between my book and there's another book called um, Soldier Dogs by Maria Goodovich. And her book, actually, is on the New York Times bestseller list, but she was writing it on military working dogs. Came across Fenji, the dog Max had in Afghanistan, learned Fenji's story, then Max's story. And you asked earlier about the information. Mm -hmm. We had several phone calls and became friends through this experience of her writing. And, And she had military clearance. So when the book was ready to come out, she called and said, there's more in there than I believe that you know. You know, and um, so <laughs> I knew to be very leery of Chapter Forty Six because she starts wow. her book with Max and Fenji. I mean, paragraph one, page one, <gasps> sentence one,
0: right there. And,
3: and oh my gosh! Them throughout, but what's really nice is there was a, an an event here in Colorado at one of the local saloons last memor last Monday, in mm-hmm. His Honor. And Maria flew in for it, so I got to meet her face-to-face for the first time.
0: (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. Oh, Uh, Julie, we've got just a minute. Where is uh, the best place for people to find your book?
3: Um, They can go, actually, missingmax2011 at gmail.com. And that will go to me, and I I can fulfill orders from here. Wonderful. You know, it's available online. But the fastest way to do it max missingmax20112011 at gmail.com.
0: Oh, Julie, thank you so much. And uh, we thank Max for his service, and we thank you for this wonderful gift to all of our families. Thanks, thank Julie. Thank
7: you so
0: much. Stay tuned. We're going to have Paul Kendall join us, Walking the Tiger's Path. Be back in a moment. Mm-hmm.
2: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these.
7: Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to heartfilledholidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on toginet.com.
5: Second chances. We all deserve them, and we are all worthy of them I
4: Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And for those of you that missed the first half of the show, you can pick us up on iTunes. You can also hear us at toginet.com or at our host station, militarymomtalkradio.com. We have 150 shows covering everything from PTSD to deployment to family situations to great authors and great military reads. And I want to put a shout-out and a thank you to our listeners today. I know we're broadcasting in some locations that – That house our military personnel. They also hire our retired personnel in the defense contract industry. So we want to thank them today for tuning in. And I want to put a thank you out to Julie Schrock, the author of Missing Max, because losing a son or a daughter in Afghanistan and writing about it and putting that information out to the public so that we can all share in that information is really brave. And I know that Max would be so proud of his mom.
0: Absolutely.
4: Great guest today coming up. We've got Paul Kendall, who wrote Walking the Tiger's Path. And this is a really interesting book, Rob, because it's a spiritual journey that puts you on the ground with National Guardsman Paul Kendall as he faces roadside bombs, ambush, and potential suicide bombers while he patrolled in the Triangle of Death outside in Baghdad in 2005. And it's just a really, really great read, and I'm so happy to welcome Paul to the airwaves. Hello. So, we have you, Paul. <laughs>
6: Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me.
4: Hi, Paul. It's, so, it's I got to ask you um, what led you to take this um, these experiences and you know, you cite modern Buddhist literature in your marketing and that's something you don't see in a whole lot of military books.
6: No, no, you really don't. But um the the path that I took is the the Shambhala the Shambhala Buddhism that I much of what I was reading is it's within Buddhism, but it's not as traditional. It's more secular. It's more meditation and mindfulness um, based. Um, and the American military has been experimenting with with meditation um, practices to to help with PTSD and you know and, and veterans as well. So it was it was more secular in nature, not quite as traditional Buddhism. But um, but yes, it, it, the Buddhist Buddhism element was it's certainly not something you find in most war books, I guess you should say.
4: <laughs> no, no, it definitely is not. Um, how did you come up with the title? What does that mean, Walking the Tiger's Path?
6: Well, it, it's odd. I'm, I'm in Boulder, Colorado at the moment, and yesterday I was at a talk in book signing, and the, the, the main... Tibetan leader, um, you know, he comes from Tibet, um, Sakyong Nipom Rinpoche, I'm not going kind to of exotic-sounding names, but he was in Boulder giving a, a talk and a and a book signing on his new book called The Shambhala Principle, and I've met him before. Um, he actually, within a couple of weeks, I was in Iraq, he sent me an email of support. Um, that kind of connected me to this whole Buddhism lineage and, and the teachings. Um, so... Like I said i'm here now and that that whole um the whole buddhism uh, element was like i said I, i'm here and that you know kept us script through with that, his teacher um as my teacher and that just you know that provided that 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 uh, you know that the connection like i said the support that i needed mm-hmm.
4: Was well, this book? Oh, go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: that's all right. I'm sorry. Uh, was this book, Paul, more of a diary um, of of a journal that you wrote during your experiences, or was this more of your being able to express all the things you've learned and experienced as an after afterward?
6: Well, yes. I mean, like like you said, you you know, the, the title, "Walking the Tiger's Path." Um, it's it, within Tibetan Buddhism, the Tiger's Path is. The path of discernment, basically, and and the, the Sakyong Nipom Rinpoche in a previous book, the the most influential one that I was reading while I was over there was turning the mind into an ally and, and ruling your world. And he talks about the path of discernment and the, this, this tiger's path that you know every you know you, every step you take you have to use use discernment to you know you don't want to jump into into things without thinking first. And when I came back from Iraq, I realized that much of my life there in Baghdad was you know trying to get a lay of the land, walking, you know, using a discernment to survive each day. You know, you had to worry about IEDs. You had to pay attention to all these possible dangers. And you didn't want to overreact because there were innocents that could be killed in the process. So you really had to use mindfulness. You had to use discernment. And, to, you know, you didn't want to inflict harm on, on, on innocents or, you know, danger to your fellow soldiers or yourself. And you really had to think before you acted. And I didn't – it all kind of – coalesced and came together um, when I came home. And I, I just I realized I was reading the book again, The Rule in Your World, and I was reading about the Tiger's path, and I went, hey, that epitomizes my whole job there in a sense. You know, I had a mission to do, but I also had to, you know, I we were there to help people. So, you know, the path of discernment um, really kind of epitomized the whole mission in, in, in a sense. And I realized, hey, this is a good title for the book.
4: Now, what was your um, position over there? For our uh, listeners today who aren't familiar with your work, you're a National Guardsman. What, uh, can you give us a little rundown of your career?
6: Uh, sure. I, I, I currently live in Jacksonville, Florida, and i joined the, I lived in California for many years, and I've been in the National Guard out there for over 10 years. And uh, I moved my family out to Jacksonville, and I joined a guard unit in, in, in Georgia that I thought they said it wasn't going to go anywhere, that they weren't going to deploy. But as it turned out, that one of the worst places in, in, in Iraq, and Baghdad, needed a filler unit between two, the 101st Airborne and the 10th Mountain Division. And they had no filler people for that six-month gap. So they picked the Georgia National Guard out of the blue and stuck us into one of the worst places. Um, in Iraq, which most National Guardsmen didn't actually really, I mean, they guarded different places, but for, at that point in time, we were one of the first to really do regular combat missions and take over for, you know, units such as the 10th Mountain Division. And, you know, we patrolled southwest Baghdad, Um, you know, we went on routine patrols during the day, basically driving around trying, you know, waiting to get blown up every day and being called to raid houses or, you know, um, respond to, you know, different attacks and things like that.
0: Hmm. Do we? Do, do you have uh, a, a timeline when you really began to uh, read Shamb- Shambhala's uh, uh, philosophies? As far as uh, was it once you were over there, or was had you always been a, a participant and a reader uh, of the of this philosophy?
6: No, not at all. I, I was just at Barnes and Noble before the deployment, and I kind of really didn't think I was going to be doing anything that exciting or that dangerous. Yeah. I'd just be sitting in the tower, bored all day with nothing to read. So I grabbed all these classic novels that I thought, you know, in War and Peace, one day this would be time to read it. And I just happened to be in the spiritual and the Eastern religions, and I picked up Turning the Mind of an Ally by Sakyong Mipam Rinpoche, and it just looked vaguely interesting. And uh, I started reading it after about a month while I was over there. And I, people had died and a bunch of things had been going, you know, it's you know any kind of illusions of making it through without anybody around me dying faded really quick. And I kind of needed some support. And reading Dostoevsky and, and Hemingway and all this other stuff just wasn't going to work for me. And uh, so I started reading The Turning Mind to an Ally and uh, just his, his thoughts on, you know, looking at, I mean, obviously we were there to fight an enemy, but, you know, there's implications to your actions as far as, um, you know, who you kill or who you're, you know, you know, who you're trying to help and um, your, your mindset and, and anger and aggression and fear. And, and there there's so many emotions going through everyone's head. And, and when we started, to, we, we lost eight men in, in my, in my platoon in six days. And once that happened, there was, you know, natural anger and aggression towards all the Iraqis. And I just kind of felt that, you know, we were there, you know, to help people, I, w- I was a little worried about some of this anger and aggression that seemed to overwhelm a lot of my, my friends around me. And, uh, and I was worried about them and their actions and the, and the people around us. And the words of the, the soccer and Mipom and turning the mind into an ally really resonated as far as how to deal with some of these kind of conditions and not give into, um, you know, pitfalls of hate and, and, and anger that could cloud your judgment, you know, which was so important on a daily basis. And I started reading his book.
4: Paul, I think it goes deeper than that. You know, our earlier guest, Julie Schrock, the author of Missing Max, you know, her son was killed, um, you know, in uh, Afghanistan in August of 2010. And, you know, she writes this book about, you know joy and moving forward and here you're writing a book that talks about you know maintaining your humanity and your sense of compassion you know and you still have your finger on the trigger of a gun while you're struggling with this what did you learn from this that you can share with our listeners today like what would be the takeaway from your experience in retaining your humanity
6: well um There was, like I said, I mentioned the eight guys who were were killed, and the first four, you know, they they were within six days. So the the first four were killed, and they were all within the same squad. And another member in that squad had been in Germany, and he'd heard about the news, and he could have stayed there, and he'd been in a previous IED attack. He found his way back, unexpectedly gets back to Iraq. And he's understandably upset, right? And he, he wants revenge. You know, he wants to get back at this, you know, the amorphous, enemy the bad guys out there even though it was very hard to tell who was who was who and he showed up out of the blue and he said i want to go out i want to get out there you know i want to go on patrol and i want to find these guys and the very you know they, they do something he was too excited like too too pent up with rage and they, they stood him down for a couple of days and then finally they said fine you, you can go out and a friend i remember standing there looking and his friend looked up at him and this, this individual is with gunner on a Humvee, you know, behind the main machine gun. And this other friend looked at him and he said, you know, if you see one of those guys, you know, you take the shot. You don't hesitate. You kill him. Yeah. And, you know, in many situations, sure, that's, if it's defined, you know who the bad guy is. That's, that's one thing. But this guy was so obs- obsessed with anger. And they went out that night. And that very first patrol back, that was the one that he was killed. The very first mm-hmm. one back. And his squad leader, had, after the first four guys had been killed, he started to give away his, his DVD player, his TVs. He knew every. It was like he knew he was going to die. And he went out there with a sense of hopelessness and loss. And the other individuals out there with such rage. And it was almost like this negative karmic energy just almost predestined their death in, a, in, a, in an odd way. And
0: Paul, I'm so sorry. I, I I, we're going to end the segment. Uh, we'll be sure to get the website on the other side of the break, uh, so that everyone knows okay. where to find your book. Sure.
2: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these.
7: She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do. In love, life and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network
1: ch 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 -ch
5: have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search. Physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual With Alan Sherwood, NBA Thursday nights at 8, 7 central here on toginet.com.
6: We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Hey Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his
2: list. And a statue of liberty started shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And our guest
4: today is Paul Kendall, Walking the Tiger's path. You can uh, pick up his book at walkingthetigerspath.com. And I want to, before we bring on our next guest, Rob, I want to visit with Paul for a minute longer because he was telling us a very compelling story before the break about, um, you know, the the kind of the mental game that you have within a war situation. He said he's got, you know, a, a friend giving away his stuff. Uh, before he goes out, and you've got other guys that are saying, you know, you just fire, you know, they're the enemy. Paul, how did you reconcile that situation with your own humanity? Oh, did we lose him? We might have lost Paul.
0: I think Uh, so. That's too bad.
4: He does have have another
0: yeah he does have another book coming out we wanted to m- to mention that so when we have him back to launch his his next book we'll be sure to talk a little bit more about that and uh, again Sandra what's the uh, website
4: uh, it's walking the tiger path plural com. all one word
0: great great what, fascinating book I, it's really something that you want to sit and take some time with very very interesting book
4: Very interesting. Um, You know, we've got another interesting guest coming up. We've got Jerry Clark, and he helps individuals find job opportunities within the social media platform. And we're going to talk about getting employed as a military veteran. I mean, jobs are on everybody's minds these days. You know, we hear the economies turning around. I still see people, especially veterans, uh, struggling to get jobs. And we're talking about veterans who are 19, 20, 25 years old, all the way up to veterans in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. So it's really great for Jerry to come on and talk to us a little bit about how social media can help veterans find jobs in today's business market.
1: Do we have Jerry with us? I'm with you.
0: Thank you. Welcome, Jerry.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be with you.
0: Tell us a little bit about your company, first of all. Uh, Was this uh, something that you have been busy with for um, a long time, or was this something that evolved out of situations that you realized were needed by other people?
1: Uh, Actually, Evacus Technology started back in 2009, and it actually evolved into providing support for people on the social media platform LinkedIn. Uh, We always had the vision of wanting to help support individuals uh, however we could, and LinkedIn just, just fell in our laps, and it was just a perfect fit for us just trying to help people out in the marketplace. And by LinkedIn being the world's largest professional network with over 200 million members, it just made sense that, you know, that's the place we wanted to be. Hmm.
0: There, I know that everybody's heard of LinkedIn, and I'm sure everybody has sort of um, maybe even set up a profile, but maybe don't realize the power of LinkedIn. Maybe give us a little reason why we should be looking at LinkedIn in a different light.
1: Sure. Uh, there are a number of different social media platforms out there, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. But LinkedIn is really the place you want to be if you're an actual job seeker. Uh, LinkedIn can be intimidating. Uh, you know, for those people, a lot of literally thousands of individuals have profiles on LinkedIn that are really considered ineffective because mm-hmm. they don't understand how LinkedIn is actually structured. They don't understand that you know, one of the things they really need is to have their profile optimized so that it is actually positioned to be found when recruiters and talent acquisition specialists are looking for their skill sets. And in addition to being positioned, also what I call outbound activity, and you as an individual doing work on your side of the fence and actually promoting yourself and getting yourself out there to be known.
4: Now, when would they they start this? Would you recommend that our service members you know, put this stuff on LinkedIn prior to leaving the service? Should they do this while they're on active duty, looking, knowing that they're going to, you know, finish their military career? When do you start this?
1: Uh, yes, you can start it early, absolutely, especially for people who are doing transition-to-transition type activity, going from one position to another. Uh, you get yourself out there, and, again, like I said, you, you want to be optimized. And part of that optimization process is, you know, where, do you, where are you trying to land? and you want to optimize yourself around that. Uh, you can get get yourself known out there uh, within different areas so that uh, you can find out what industries are in the area you want to be. A lot of people graduate from, from uh, college, and they want to stay in their area. Uh, other people want to move back to where their family members might be because they're getting up in age. You know, everybody has a different reason, and that's why – we, we have to spend one-on-one time with each individual to actually help optimize them based on their, their requirements, but we also want to reverse engineer what we're doing in order to fit what that job seeker is actually looking for.
4: Now, how does the MOS relate? Like, you know, we see these skills translators on time. You've got your MOS that you did in the military. How does that translate to civilian work? Do you find that those are helpful, or do you find it better to work with a one-on-one person?
1: Uh, well, what we do is we work one-on-one because I've been asked that by a number of post-secondary schools. You know, can you come in and just help everybody in a, in a classroom setting? And the answer is no. It has to be a one-on-one uh, interaction in between uh, one of our people and that individual because their needs are specific to them. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of different translating applications out there. I know the banks and other places use that. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, and that kind of helps the actual employer understand exactly what they're getting but also help that military person kind of speak the civilian life as well to understand where their skill sets fit. But once you get out there on LinkedIn, you you, you want to make sure you understand basically the ground rules on how that thing is structured. What are your limitations? And then position yourself or create that foundation so that you can be found, and then build on top of that. I, when I do presentations, a lot of times I say, it's kind of like building a house. You want to create your foundation first, and then put up your walls and the roof. And same thing on LinkedIn. You have to create that foundation and build on top of that, and then you'll position yourself to be a, a lot stronger and to, to uh, have that competitive advantage over a lot of other people that are out there seeking that same position that you may be going after.
0: Would you say that LinkedIn is a place to put sort of everything in the world that you've done, or is it similar to a resume that you want to stick to the key elements that you're, you're really targeting as far as your next career
1: move? That's a good question. I've, I've seen a lot of posts from people that say, oh, just take your resume and dump it in your profile, and you're good to go. Well, that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to actually take your profile, and you want to tell a story. You want to make sure people know who you are and what you're all about. It's really more personable uh, to a point to where if I'm a recruiter or a talent acquisition specialist and I'm looking for your skill sets, you know, I'll read your profile. You know, when I finish reading it, there needs to be a call of action. Now that I've read it, what do you want me to do? And is it uh, written in such a way that I want to connect with you? And that's the end result. You want them to connect with you. You want them to reach out to you and make an offer to you. You want an interview. You know, so being found is is one thing. But once they read your profile, then making them want to engage with you is the other thing. So getting that search engine optimization piece in place, positioning yourself to be found, and once they find you, getting them to engage with you, and then you're off and running. You're in a pretty, pretty good position. Mm. It
0: really puts it in a whole different light. Jerry, tell us what your slogan re-engineering Wants with Needs" really transcends.
1: Yeah, uh, what that means is you want to create your profile in a way that really matches what that recruiter and talent acquisition specialist is looking for. You want to create it from their perspective. So when they go out and search, and they talk, and a lot of them are taught how to search for employees to fill positions. Uh, when they go out and search on certain keywords and things like that, you want to look at it from their perspective and create your profile to match how they, uh, how they actually search. And that's hmm. one of the things we kind of to help you with is that keyword strategy because LinkedIn has a, an algorithm behind the scenes that actually decides who gets floated to the top, who's a part of the results when they come back, and that kind of thing. And that's really what that search engine optimization process involves is getting you found, getting you near the top when those those results come back. So if you're on page 100, no recruiter is going to dig down 100 pages looking for you. You want to be near the top, and that's one of the services we provide.
0: That's fantastic. We're just about at the end, Jerry. Can you give us uh, where we should go to sign up or where people can find you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Go to www.evacustech.com, that's E-V-A-C-T-E dot And because I know your listening audience is special for the first 50 people who actually sign up, what you would do, go to our Contact Us page and actually fill out the information and put in Military Mom Talk Radio, and I will personally send you a link to our discount page so we can get you up and running for a 34% discount because of uh, being a part of Military Mom Talk Radio.
0: Oh, Jerry, that's wonderful. We appreciate that so much. Jerry Clark from Evicus Technologies, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you both. Thank you very much. Take,
0: Take care. I want everybody to uh, tune in next week. We've got Julie Levin coming, We Speech. It's a wonderful organization uh, focusing on disabilities. We have an author, Daniel Sainuk, talking about blind guide dogs. And next week, we've got our good friend, Marcella Stretch from the Parents of Deployed Service Members Facebook group coming on. You won't want to miss that. We always love all of our pods v- listeners, and we love it when Marcella comes on because she always It's something wonderful for military families. We want to thank Julie Schrock for being with us earlier today, Missing Max, Finding Hope After My Marine Son's Death, a a very touching book. Uh, Thank you to Paul Kendall, Walking the Tiger's Path, and we want to say thank you to Jerry Clark from Evacus Technologies with us, talking all about LinkedIn, A, a lot of awareness that, you know, you just don't think about, but when you're a military family and you're not sure where you're going to be, the best way to make sure that you're prepared for your next move is to have everything right there on LinkedIn. So definitely take him up on his offer. He's looking out for Military Mom Talk Radio listeners. Tune in next week to Military Mom Talk Radio and catch us on the web. We're always there and we're always right here on the Toganet station. Thanks so much for being with us today. Take care, everyone.